listening to the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. It's the podcast in the Broadcast Basement. to the Windy City Slam podcast. My name is Chris Lanuti, and across from me here at my 9-foot homemade oak bar in my basement on the south side of Chicago, I have Mike Pankow, wrestling fanatic. Uh, we have uh, kind of focused on the Royal Rumble the last couple of weeks, so I'm glad we can kind of move into more local stuff this week. And we have a guest we're going to introduce here in a moment that is a huge wrestling fan and known to many people that listen on the Chicago airwaves, uh, at least over the last couple of decades. So we're going to introduce him in just one moment. But Mike, how are you? I'm doing great. Looking forward to the show today. Yeah, it should be a good one. So so give me a quick rundown on what happened locally this week. Well, before I get into a couple of the local things, Frontline Pro up in Wisconsin, they do most of their promotions up there, but they have come into the Chicago area on occasion. Owned and ran by a veteran, a uh, great guy, Ben McCoy. Horrible thing that happened to uh, him at his last show uh, a couple weeks ago. Somebody apparently stole $1,000 from their thing and then just left the arena and somebody grabbed the cash box we don't we don't we don't know if it was another wrestler we don't know if it was a fan or wow yeah i mean and and it doesn't seem like a lot especially when you sit around and you think like about wrestling and you watch the big things like i mean uh, vince mcmahon blows that off in the intro okay times a thousand but that's a big deal for a promotion like that yeah and 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 not only that it's a company that supports veterans and veteran causes. I mean, it's absolutely horrible. And if anybody's listening to this, hopefully they have some sort of idea and can reach out to Ben McCoy up in Wisconsin. And hopefully this will be resolved at some point. It's just a terrible, terrible thing. I just wanted to get that out of the way, but you know, I wanted to mention it though too. POW Entertainment and Fox Lake this past Saturday night, they had a big show. POW champion Taylor Sullivan uh, defeated uh, the veteran ice pick Vic Capri by disqualification. So that feud will continue in Bridgeview on February 22nd in a rematch. Plus the POW tag team champions Dr. Jeff Luxon and Southside guy Dave Rydell. They fought Joey Cece and Joey Areola, and that match went to a double countout. And uh, there is a rematch scheduled for that as well, um, I believe next month back up in Fox Lake. Warrior Wrestling which is coming up on February the 15th, a major change to their main event. Their champion and their only champion, Brian Cage, you know, he's, been a, he's been the heavyweight champions for about a year and a half. He tore his bicep recently, um, kind of winding down his days in Impact Wrestling. He will have to relinquish his title. And then now in that eight-man uh, War of Attrition match, there will be a new Warrior Wrestling champion crowned. And Cage, I believe, is going to have a hand in picking the replacement guy in that match. There's going to be several other matches early in the evening, and there'll be a certain sort of determination saying, okay, this person did the best, so Cage and then Warrior Wrestling will pick the eighth guy to enter that match, and then we'll find out who the new champion will be. But Cage will be out a few months. There's also been rumors flying around about him going to AEW, so we'll see if that comes to fruition or not. Before we get into anything else that's going on local, I want to get our guest in here, okay? Because I right. see him over there, he's nodding, and before we got down here, <laughs> I didn't get a word in edgewise for the five minutes while I'm setting up the microphones and getting ready to go, because these two guys live, breathe, eat, sleep, wrestling. Jonathan Hood is here, sitting down here at my 9-foot homemade oak bar. 
been on the radio in Chicago for years and years. He's currently over at ESPN 1000 and broadcasts nationally from coast to coast for ESPN as well. Jonathan, welcome. Thanks for having me. This is great. Uh, I love the rundown. I know I see Pankow's got a lot here. There's a lot lot of bullet points there. I love that. Like, you see how little I have? I just sit here at the end and I do nothing. And he just, he comes in, he's got notes. He's like ready to go. I love it. I always get the impression from you, like when you're doing certain things post-game or after you follow something, you're probably very similar to Mike. You kind of have like a cheat sheet. Like, I want to make sure I get to this, get to this, get to this. Am I reading that right when I listen to you on the air? Yeah, it's kind of like old school wrestling in which you don't have to script everything. Everything, everything has to be bullet pointed. So you have a bullet point and you're just able to talk off those bullet points. That's what Mike's doing right now. Yeah, he's, he's ready to go. It's, it's right there. I mean, it's notarized. <laughs> he, went to, he went to a currency exchange to make sure that that was notarized uh, before he came here to the to the man cave. But nonetheless, no, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's just one of those things where you're always prepared. Mike's always prepared. And that's what we do as broadcasters, at least most of us. Most of us. Most I, mean, of us. I just sit at my bar, I drink beer, and I just go by the seat of my pads. That's why I have a podcast and you're on ESPN. That's right. All right, so what is making you excited right now, Jonathan? He's talking about stuff that's happening locally. I see you down there. You're kind of you're kind of thinking about it. The, the suggestion now that this title's being vacated, and we know it's because of an injury, but there's a possibility that this wrestler is heading off to AEW as well. That, that's like the new buzz thing now, right? Like whenever there's a wrestler that – you're like, we don't see as much of them, or they're starting to get good. They're going to get swallowed up by one of these companies because those two companies just want to get all the talent they possibly can right now. Well, what Mike's talking about is something that we saw years ago in the territory days in which wrestlers would go from place to place. If you're a veteran wrestler like Brian Cage and you're coming to Chicago and you win a a local championship, you're giving back to that particular um, individual um, um, place because think about it. If you're Brian Cage, he's on national television, right? He's on Access TV. And so he will probably be moving on AEW. But for him to be able to come to Chicago, now that's filling up their arena. Now you're getting 1,000-plus going to that arena. Nothing against the local talent here, but it always pays to be able to have a veteran to come from national television to come to your town to be able to help. That's the continuity that you have for wrestling. National gives to local, local gives to national, and that makes everything work together. That's how wrestling works. And does anything change with your top five right now? Oh, boy. (laughs) I always ask him top five promotions, and then I ask him if he wants to change any of them. And we count all the shows, like the WWE shows, as individual ones. So Raw and SmackDown are completely different promotions, okay? And we try to tell him that, like, that way he can kind of figure out what he likes. And I always ask him, like, has somebody done something in the last week that pops out? Here's what he's got. And I would just love it if you had something where you're like, hey, Mike, you left this out. Okay. Okay. He likes both the NXTs. He likes the UK and he likes the the one currently over here in the US. Those were those are on his list. He's a warrior wrestling and an AAW guy. And then the fifth one that you threw in there was AEW. Yeah, I and you left AEW. out. He left out both SmackDown and Raw. With and he's looking at them as a total. Like if I had, there were only five of them out there in the world that I could watch, and the rest of them just fell off. These are the five I would have to save. And that, and because he loves them that much. Is there anything in that list that that jumps out at you, or you think he might be missing? Well, see, I'm an old school wrestling fan, so I appreciate the the way the NWA is laid out. Mm-hmm. I think that YouTube series, what they're doing, because for my schedule, one hour programming works. Okay, so at, you're watching that for an hour. The NWA out of Atlanta uh, is giving you the old school format. It looks like Mid Atlantic. It looks like the NWA from the past, and they got the arena set perfectly. And then on top of that, here's the most important thing: if you don't like the wrestling. If you don't think there's enough Gaga, if nothing else, they're making sure that they're giving you the interviews that you want. 
because the most important thing for interviews for me is if you look me in the eye as a consumer, you're looking at me and you're saying, here's what I'm going to do to this guy. Here's what's, why my match is important. And so I think that that's one of the things that they want to be able to implement in the NWA is the spoken word to be able to get you to your computer or to the arena. That's old school wrestling. It's not even about the wrestling. It's about the personalities, right? To be able to connect to those personalities, those interviews saying, hey, here's what, who I am, this is what I'm going to do, and then we move forward. The NWA, I think, is really entrenched with that, so they'd be in my top five. That's awesome. I, I like that. I like that perspective too, because I've always been a promo guy. And let's localize it too. Billy Corgan helps run the NWA now, so that's a really, really cool yeah, thing. Absolutely, that is pretty neat. Yeah, that, that's awesome. Yeah. So, so what are the big topics this week here, Mike? What are we? What, what are we? What are we focusing on that's coming up, or that, or that is happening right now in the world of wrestling? Uh, we'll start with some WWE stuff, and then we'll touch on Dynamite as well. Uh, Don't for forget, AEW. yeah, we definitely yeah. have to talk AEW because we have stuck them in the back. Of the last two shows, yeah, well, we'll have and some more. I hate AEW getting them in the last week. three minutes. Yeah, we'll have more. We'll have more this week. I may try a couple <laughs> okay, of good, go solid bullet points on them. <laughs> yeah, um, WWE though, big stories. We got Randy Orton attacking Edge with the RKO, giving him the one man concerto on Raw. Um, it was, um, and you called this. Yeah, you knew this was going to be. I had a thing. feeling something bad was going to happen with Randy, and I know they're going to build up to a WrestleMania match, and now that's definitely looks like it's going to be the case there. The uh, only thing that was missing was the old Randy Orton punt, but with the, the whole head injury thing now that they're really big on that try to avoid that, they did not do that. And Edge has a neck injury. Like, I mean, yeah. at first he's coming back, and I know he's clear, but whenever I see that, I still worry for Daniel Bryan when he does a move. Yeah. I, I mean, like, if he, like, that, on one hand, it really sells the move because, like, let's say they do something and he goes down and he's holding his neck or something like that. You'd be like, oh, he's really hurt, you know? But on the other hand, it's like, that's also that could really happen a lot. It's more of a chance of like a, a major injury. I mean, this is an industry that has seen bad things happen. The guys right in the ring. Yeah, and I'm I was cringing too when people were suggesting Edge and Brock Lesnar because what's Brock's main move is the German suplex and drops <laughs> drops you right in the back of your neck. Yeah. I mean, wait a minute, Mike. I mean, you're the journalist here out of the three. You're the journalist. You buried the lead here. You know what the lead is? Edge lied to us. <laughs> Edge says he wasn't coming back. You saw this on social media. It's, pro it's professional wrestling, <laughs> though. He you lied to us right to our face. He said he wasn't coming back, and now he's back. I tell you what, man. I, I hope – I don't know if this is long-term for him. I would see him being on television, but I can't see him doing house shows in Cincinnati mm -hmm. or Poughkeepsie. I mean, Ed, I don't think that he's healthy enough to do that, but as an attraction, I think it works. And think about the fact he's working with somebody that he's comfortable with. He's going to come back from the injury. He's mm -hmm. been gone for this long, and he works with somebody he's been with in a, for a long time, and he knows Randy, so he probably trusts whatever's going to happen in the ring a lot more than he would trust if all of a sudden he matched up against one of these young guys or got into an actual title hunt right now. I mean, you got to think that that's got to be some of the motivation as well. He probably had something to do with, like, I'm coming back, and this is who I'm working with first, you know? Well, here's a question. After WrestleMania, is he still on the roster? Or is this one of those MVP things where he's just there for a, a cup of coffee and then leaves? I mean, that's the that's question. Yeah. Like, like to, to me, if he's healthy enough to be the, an attraction, fine. But I'm just concerned about his long-term health, though. I mean, it's, I mean, it is a neck, by the way. Yeah. It's, yeah. It, I mean, that's it might, it, serious he, stuff. He, he, look, seven, eight years away is great, and he looks great. He's shredded. But I'm concerned about his long-term health. What else we got going on in WWE? Obviously, uh, Drew McIntyre won, and as predicted, he's going after Brock Lesnar and WrestleMania. And I am so glad they're they're going with new blood now, having Drew in uh, in one of the main events at Mania. And I, I think 
I really do think they're going to give him the run with the title. Uh, you think he's going to win? Uh, yes, I do. Jonathan, okay. what do you think? I think that he should go after our truth. I think that <laughs> if he had, a, if there was one championship, yeah, I think it should be our truth. I think I'd put that at the top of the card. Um, I believe Mojo is the twenty four seven champion he, as of this recording. I have no idea. That, 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 that could change any second. Yeah, I, know. I have no idea. <laughs> no, I, you know what? Um, Drew McIntyre, right? Second time around in the company in the WWE. Should have had the first time around, but as Mark Henry told me, Mark Henry said, you know, sometimes, just kind of like John Morrison, sometimes you just need that seasoning. I thought he was ready at the first time we saw Drew McIntyre, but you notice that he went overseas, mm -hmm. he was in a number of other companies, and now he's back. And now I think he's in a position to be able to have that run as a champion. Um you know, Brock Lesnar is just not never around for us to, to see, but we could see Drew McIntyre if he's champion on a weekly basis if we cared. Yeah, that's true. And we'll actually see him week to week rather than like maybe once every three, four months. It's one thing to have a champion, by the way. And then listen, I don't need to see a champion every week. Uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, like when Ric Flair had the championship with the NWA, we didn't see, we saw him uh, do a lot of promos, but he didn't wrestle every week because he was kept special. He was all over the territories, wrestling in Puerto Rico and Florida and Portland and Texas and all these different promotions back in the day. But at the same time, Brock should at least be able to have some action. So there's at least a little bit of a, a feel for the fan like, hey, it, hey we know he's going to just dominate whoever he's going to wrestle, right? But it's okay for him to show up on one of these main shows, get your five minutes in and leave. Show your dominance every now and then. Yeah, even if it's a pre-tape thing. Like, sure. do, do something that pops up. It's weird. You got to wonder like how the contract actually works. Like if if they if if he records it on like you know the beginning of the month and he records four promos and then he, they get spread out over the month as a count as four shows that he appears on and he holds them to that. That's that's kind of crazy to me. He's making the most money in that company for yeah. doing for doing less. Yeah, yeah. It's it, it's kind of strange to me. Anything else we want to move on to AEW? Uh, let's talk NXT and then maybe a little bit of SmackDown. Then we'll hit AEW. All right, let's do it. A NXT. AEW will be at the end of this podcast. Oh, yeah, that's what he always does. <laughs> no, no, we got other stuff we can <laughs> talk about. Why you so. put them? Like, for a guy who said AEW and left out SmackDown and Raw in his top five, he loves to talk about SmackDown and Raw. I'm on a bit of an NXT mark too, so let's talk about them next. <laughs> It was a great show. Um, they had a couple of really good matches throughout the show. Finn Balor, Trent Seven was a hard-hitting affair. Dominic Dijakovic and Damian Priest was also very good. And those big guys can really, really work. I love Dijakovic. I think he's a future star. And that main event was unbelievable. Pete Dunne, Matt Riddle, the Broserweights, winning the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic over the grizzled young veterans, Zach Gibson, James Drake. We talked a little bit about them last week how they're probably some of the best heels in the business and probably one of the best tag teams in the business. I mean, if you haven't seen them work, they are awesome. They're unbelievable. Yeah, you know what? I agree with you, Mike, when you talk about NXT and NXT UK. I like both of those brands. So I'm with you there for sure, right? But here, let's start with Trent Seven. Does anybody get his ass kicked more than Trent Seven? I mean, but, but he, <laughs> he does, yeah. He, he wrestles underneath, and that was a terrific opening match for mm -hmm. NXT. But there is something about Trent Seven where whether he's a tag team or single, that guy wrestles from underneath and takes a beating. Ricky and Morton. It's just very much like Ricky Morton. Yeah. I, he, all he's got to do is just like reach his hand out to the fans and say, please help me. He's <laughs> telling me that's, I mean, that's how he got over back in the day. But Trent Seven takes a beating. And as an NXT UK fan, I'm glad that Triple H is trying to bring those two factions together because he wants to have more uh, viewers watching NXT UK. Yeah, I've been watching all those guys before they even came to full sale. Mm -hmm. So as a fan of Grizzled Young Veterans, 
I knew they weren't going to win, but I knew they were going to have a great showing. They got, I think, more respect even in the loss yes. in that Dusty Rhodes Classic Final. Absolutely agree. This brings me to a segment that we do every week, and I finally have been inspired to bring it out. Okay. Explain <laughs> this to me like I am a noob. just mentioned a, a, a guy when you were going through everything but we didn't we didn't expound on it in Finn Balor so now as a casual wrestling fan that I am where I will check out certain promotions and then all of a sudden I'll lose track of what's going on Finn does the thing where he becomes the demon right where he where he does that but now we have Bray Wyatt in on more of the mainstream shows he's doing his thing as the fiend mm-hmm. do you think that somebody like Finn looks at that and goes well, I, I ended up back on NXT, but he's basically doing a thing where he puts on a mask now and gets to play two different characters. Like, I got that's almost like ripped off. I mean, does that kind of thing happen backstage? Is would Balor be okay with what's going on, or does he feel like I came up, they moved me down, and then all of a sudden Bray Wyatt gets to do this dual character thing? What, what, uh, explain that to me like I'm a noob. What's going on there? Whoa, um, yeah, I, I'm a little. Um little disturbed i'm not disturbed little little stumped by the whole thing <laughs> Man, i probably am a little disturbed too but yeah that, that, i mean that's, the, that's the, besides the point isn't that weird I mean, jonathan you were nodding your head when i was saying it yeah. like isn't that kind of strange like like bray had his thing finn yes. was up and then they made this decision to separate the two of them move finn back down to the lower thing where he did his best he got his biggest pops down there but they they kept that one aspect where like you get Bray outside of the makeup most of the time doing the one character, but for the big match, he comes out in the Fiend outfit. I mean, it's it's it's, it's well, similar, isn't it? It is similar, and Finn Balor probably has talked to Vince about that, and you know what Vince would say? Well, things change, pal. Oh, that's wrong. And, that, and, that's, and, that, and like, <laughs> that's how it is. Like That's what he'd say. And so... Finn, we may never see that second character again. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not, not NXT. And notice, by the way, even as a newbie, like it, it, for those listening for us to, for the first time, there is a distinct difference between the way Triple H runs things and the way Vince McMahon does things. Yep. Right? right. And so that's and that's the difference. Like you may never see that character from that second character from Finn again because Triple H runs things differently than Vince. There's a good answer, right? That's a good answer. I like that answer. And, and uh, things change, pal. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, Finn, Finn Balor is kind of going more as this kind of heelish. Uh, more, more like his old Prince Devitt character when he's back in Japan working for the bullet with the Bullet Club and all that. Um, it could also be a slow burn where three years from now the Fiend faces off against uh, the Demon. Oh, wow, that'd be something. <laughs> wow, that would be lot. interesting. Sure, yeah. they should let me book every once in a while. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you'd be better, much better than what they get in Stanford. I'll tell you that right now. Yeah. All right, let's let's get to SmackDown because I don't want to run out of time because I want to talk to Jonathan more about his wrestling experiences. Yeah, quick on SmackDown. One, the one thing I will highlight is a good old Vince McMahon moment in the main event. Baron Corbin getting covered in dog food after he. Ziggler and Bobby Roode lost to the Roman Reigns and the Usos in the main event. Uh, talk a little bit about that, guys. It's like a mess. That's what he, he loves to do. That stuff. <laughs> we're lucky it wasn't. Do, we're lucky it wasn't dog poop. Like I mean, at least well, he that's been done. The, that's been least, done. Yeah, I know. But that, and unfortunately, it's probably coming next. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's, he loves that kind of thing. I don't know why he loves it. At some point, it's really not cool anymore. It's just kind of like ah, this is how we're going to end things. You can imagine the Fox executives are just. Going nuts, throwing things, watching this every Friday. Yeah, I mean, SmackDown's getting beat by Hawaii Five O every week. There's a there's a reason <laughs> for that. I mean, because who are you catering this to? Who are you catering this to? Especially when 
the ratings, and Mike, you've seen this too, or at least heard about this. Mm-hmm. So a lot of these ratings are tailored toward 45 plus. That's about an age range, right? Mm-hmm. A lot. I mean, the WWE, they just captured the 50 plus audience across the board on all their shows, oh, including yeah. NXT. So I, I'm not even sure who this is catering to besides Vince, because right. dog food. Okay. So if that's the blow off where Baron Corbin has all this dog food bump, you know, all, all over the top of him. So what's next? How does that do anything for Roman Reigns or the Usos? Who's how's that? I mean, it's just more heat on Baron Corbin, but he's one of the best heels in the company, yeah. so that's fine. But what does that do for Roman Reigns besides haha? What does that what does that do? And the other thing that's also disappointing to me is that Great. I thought when Punk came walking back and he was going to start being the Fox analyst, when stuff like this happened, this would be like the moment where he was like, "This is stupid," and just like really start ripping it. But instead, we don't see him every week. And he's 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 holding back, so I don't get that at all. Like you brought him in, and now all of a sudden he's not actually saying the thing that we're waiting for him to say. Like this is stupid, and Vince is an idiot. Like mean, where is that? You mean like a Chicago guy? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you, this is stupid. This I don't like stupid. it. <laughs> like like we do in Chicago, we just tell you right between the eyes, this is this stupid. This is stupid. Yeah. right. That's what he's supposed to be there for. All right, can we get to AEW? Yeah, right please? now. Because I, I just that, feel that, like that, it's like three minutes every single time. Yeah, it's, okay? we're next with AEW so, right now. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Jonathan, now this this promotion launches. It, I I think a lot of fans were excited about what it could be, and I think it did what I thought it was going to originally do. It motivated Vince McMahon to start taking a little bit of advice here and there and make some changes to try to make sure his product could compete with somebody else. But AEW as a whole, it I, I don't know whether or not this thing's going to last forever. What is your take when you look at it? Do you think that this is a sustainable thing at the level that they have it at? It is sustainable because Turner needs the the content. It, we're in the content business, right? All three of us are in the content right. business. Yep. So for Turner and and also Bleach Report, it is about content. You see, they've already extended the deal for AEW on Turner Broadcasts, and they're looking for actually more content, which is mind blowing to me. When I watch AEW. Just like any wrestling company, there are there's good and bad. And the good is is that you have veterans that can talk, like Cody Rhodes, like Chris Jericho, and so many uh, veterans that are on that roster. But the problem is is that it's the veterans, and then there's this huge gap of kids that have never been on national television before. We've seen them in independent shows, wrestling in front of 500,000 people with no cameras, but it's so difficult. When I'm watching last week, watching Big Swole, and she's punching, and she can't even she can't break an egg with those punches. Like this is HD. I can see through that stuff now. Right. I can see through it. And so you're standing in a gymnasium yeah. and you're watching that, and you got kind of an obstructed view. Right. You're falling for what she's doing, but not on television. Right. Now, on television, right. I, I can see through some of these guys with their high wrist moves that don't. Again, no real impact. You've got to be able to lay that stuff in. I know it's an old school wrestling fan. It's a thing where you got to when you punch someone, it's got to be able to. It's got to register. When you kick somebody, it's got to register. And they're not laying it in. It's very light, some of these kids. And so I think that AEW is doing well because look at the ratings. The ratings are doing well. They're trying to they're trying to figure out how they can get a million viewers in today's landscape on a Wednesday night, which is going to be very tough. They've got the audience there. It's built in. Every time they come to Chicago, it's sold out. A lot of the places that they've gone to across the country, pretty good. Over 11,000 people in New Jersey so far. They're going to be in the Newark. I believe so, yeah. Is a new work coming up? So they've already got 11,000 tickets sold there. So they're doing well. They've got the audience. So disgruntled WWE fans going to AEW. Now, they need to have more veterans with those young people to sh- show the young roster how to work 
That's the that's the issue. But otherwise, on the top level, the veterans, they're doing well because they're carrying the company in a big way. I always get the impression that WWE does an awful lot of off-screen work. Well, of course, that's what NXT was. It was teaching them how to do things. AEW doesn't really have a feeder for that. I, I wonder if like behind the scenes, like they have a thing where it's like, all right, you guys are on TV here. You have this schedule and such and such day is the day where we sit down and actually try to teach you this stuff. Because I mean, like somebody has to take the time to like show them like this didn't, this doesn't work for you here. You know what you were working doesn't work for you here. And I just wonder if that structure's in place or if it's something they'll probably move to. They're going to have to, I think they're going to have to because, and, and so some of these guys, what's a good example, Mike, like, um, not Kip Sabian, but there's like some like in the middle, like a Riho. I'll give you an example. Like yeah. Riho, who I don't believe in, right? They're like yeah, it's hard to believe a 99 pound champion. I don't, yeah. I don't believe that. I, yeah. That's people talk about Marco Stunt. I don't believe in her. Yeah, she's 98 pounds and she's beating people that are established veterans. Yeah, Nyla Rose, even who's like at least twice her size or maybe even more. You know, it. I go. Well, how can you believe? I mean, she barely. It's like a feather landing on a truck and the truck taking the, the hit. Yeah, I mean, that's not that's not believable. Yeah. So so what you have to do if you're AEW is again, you got to have those established veterans in there. And if they don't have like um the NXT feeder system where they're working out, hey, some of these veterans think these these young people think I've wrestled all over the country, right? And all these independent shows in these barns and these backyards and everywhere else, but it's not the same as being in front of 10,000 people on television seeing right through your work. Mm-hmm. You've, yeah, you know, like there, there's a different style in a TV style and an indie style. There's a, there's a, yes. difference, there's a different way to be able to approach wrestling. And it, it's hard to explain, but you got five or six minutes to get your stuff in versus 15 or 20 minutes. If you miss, oh, you know, nobody cares because it's independent. There's no cameras. They're just here for, for ha-ha. It's just mm-hmm. a good time. No, you've got to be able to be serious about your work. Because NXT is going to be bearing down on them pretty soon here if they don't tighten up their stuff. And NXT actually has won a couple of weeks recently in the ratings mm-hmm. battle as well. And you talk about you know the the youth and the inexperience of some of the people. Britt Baker actually um, had a couple of long promo segments the last couple of weeks. The first week on on the Jericho Cruise, I thought she sounded a little awkward. This week, I think she was a little bit better. You know, what is your opinion in in terms of uh, Britt Baker's uh, mic work? And and obviously, she's thinking he's a little work, but I don't. um, I didn't understand the the promo on the cruise because you had a chance to edit that if you didn't think that was good. Mm -hmm. Instead of doing the Vince McMahon in the back, oh, this is terrible. Get out of this. Get out of this. You know, and we've seen that before too, where Mm -hmm. like this is not going anywhere. Let's end the segment. I think they could have edited. They could have because it was pre-taped on a. Tuesday, right? Yeah, I believe so. It yeah, was Tuesday. One day before. And so you could edit that out. Britt Baker, I think the next week with Shivani was very good. Um, her ch- changing from babyface to heel is, I think, is a little sudden. Mm-hmm. A little sudden. I'm not sure why that is the case. Yeah. Uh, you have to build your stable of babyfaces before you could say, well, this is going to be one of our main heels. I thought that was kind of odd. Um, the women's division overall is a little odd to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just think, yeah. I think that when you have a women's division, you want to make sure that you have your ducks in a row. You mean you, the men are going to be established, and you can be able to look at what you want to do. But when it comes to the women, I think it's a little bit fractured, and they got. And this is the growing pains of having a company for what, 17, 18 weeks, trying to figure out who you are, who's best, um, who can be on top. They're still trying to work those things out. But when you're a young company, those things happen. Yeah, and I will say NXT's women's division is really top-notch and sure. compare them to AEW, it's like night and day well think about how wwe even approached the women's revolution period right they basically brought out four to six women 
and that was it. And they made sure everything was established with them before they continued to expand the stable. They didn't just all of a sudden have like a big mess because then it's hard to figure out who's who and what's the, you know, and that's the thing. Starting small is probably the best thing for that. And I wonder mm-hmm. who's actually like, is it, is it clear? Like whenever I ask Mike and I go, who's making that decision in WWE, he'll be like, well, this guy's really in charge, but then it's Vince, but he knows who's doing it. Is it clear <laughs> yeah. in AEW where the buck stops or who's actually making those kind of decisions? That should be an hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that, that question right there is an hour podcast. Because I can go all day with that. The sun's going to go down by the time I finish this answer. So just get, you know, get, get the, you know, get the dinner ready. So, so here's, and, and we're Mike, finishing with this question. I mean, I mean, seriously, I mean, because I mean, it's a long answer, but I'm going to shorten it up by saying this is that, and Mike knows this, you know, this as well. You don't let the boys run your company. And what that means is look at WCW where mm-hmm. Eric Bischoff, and you can go to all of his podcasts, 83 weeks, Eric Bischoff. Every time that there is a question broached to him about why did this happen? Oh, I think that was Kevin Sullivan. Oh, I think that was Terry Taylor. Oh, I think that was Nash. Oh, I think that was Dusty's decision. Well, it's got to, the Bucks got to stop with one guy. And with like, WWE, it's Vince. Or NXT, is, it's uh, Triple H. It, it, so my question, to, even to Jim Ross, before this thing started, I asked Jim mm-hmm. on my podcast, I said, Jim, is Tony Khan the guy? Is, like, he is, is he the number one guy that everyone goes to for final decisions? Oh, yeah, sure. Sure he is. But yet... Cody Rhodes is an executive producer there, and the Young Bucks are executive producers, and Kenny, Kenny Omega is over the women. You would think Jericho, after living through WCW, and I can go on WWE Network right now right. and find him talking about how that was terrible and destructive and he would never run a company like that. It, for He should be the loudest voice in the room saying this is what happened at WCW, right? Well, well I mean, look, <laughs> one guy, one guy should run this, right? Right. It should, like, whatever happens, Tony, is this okay? But I don't think that's happening there. You know why? Because look at look at the show. Yeah, there's a lot of different. You got two dark factions in one show. Mm-hmm. That's not. I mean, that's not good writing. You got to have a continuity person. You got a continuity person is so important because that's in any television show. Let's, let's take a step back. What are we seeing here? Why do we have two dark factions? Yeah. You know, why, why why do we have that? Why why is this story? Why, what's going on with this storyline? And how come this is not connecting to? Last week, or, or the Dark Order is a perfect example, right? Mm-hmm. You put the Dark Order in the ring, Mike. You put the Dark Order in the ring, they lose a lot of matches, and yeah. now you're saying, well, join the Dark Order. Well, who was the Dark Order to start with? Yeah, a bunch of jobbers. Well, it's, you start from the beginning yeah. by having all these vignettes to try yeah. to explain what they are. Right. But they start off as jobbers, yeah. and now they're trying to be an established group. Well, you, don't, you, got, you can't do that. you got to establish who it is first exactly. with vignettes and then explain. And then maybe actually weird. give them some wins too in the ring, even if it gets enhancement talent. See, yeah, but that's when the boys start right. running the company. That's when Hogan says, "I'm not, I'm not going to lose to this <laughs> guy." Oh god, doesn't work for me, brother. <laughs> doesn't work for me. Jonathan Hood, I want to thank you for coming down here. I Absolutely. really appreciate it. It was really cool. Time flies on a half hour podcast, but I really appreciate you stopping by. Before we get you out of here, though. The question that we meant, I think, to ask you from the very beginning, and then we just started talking about this. Tell us a little bit about why. Why did you get so attached to rest? I mean, like, I remember when I was younger and believed that it was real, that everything was a fight, 
and couldn't believe that the Ultimate Warrior had finally beaten Hulk Hogan and how much I jumped around the living room with my buddies at over at one of the, my friend's houses and thought, like, we just lost it. We couldn't believe that that happened. That may have been the moment that I really got sucked in. But what what sucked you into this? Wait, wrestling isn't real? <laughs> I'm out of here. Oh, my God. I'm You're going to be here. really disturbed when I tell you about the amount of teeth in my drawer for my children. <laughs> okay. I can't believe what I'm hearing here. No, that was the late 70s for me with my grandparents. Uh, my grandfather took me to the old International Amphitheater on 43rd and Halstead, and we were watching um, All-Star Wrestling and watching Dick the Bruiser and the Crusher um, and watching the AWA. Nick Bockwinkel is my favorite wrestler uh, because of Nick is, it was just great. 40, you know, 30 minutes, 60 minutes, he was just a great wrestler and was a great promo as well. And so that always happened because, look, when you're growing up in the late 70s, early 80s, you had syndicated television that always had wrestling on. There was, you think there's a lot of wrestling now. Back then, there was a lot of wrestling for you to watch. There were blocks of wrestling on weekends for you to watch. WWF at the time, World Class, um, watching the local stuff. You know, we just talked about uh, Warrior Wrestling. The same thing with Bob Luce mm-hmm. and that wrestling back during that time as well. So it was just so much wrestling on. And so along with watching regular sports, we we're watching wrestling because that was just part of uh, the sports landscape in my home. Jonathan, I appreciate you coming on the show. Thanks for helping out with Absolutely. Windy City Slam. You know how much Mike loves this thing. He's like super <laughs> excited about it. I mean, he's, just, he's just so he's just so happy. He can't, he's been he's been doing stuff with the Windy City Slam for so long, and finally, like I I remember when I told him like, have you thought about doing a podcast? And he just like lit up. He's like, we could do one of those. I'm like, oh, we'll totally go. Podcast <laughs> of course, too. yeah. Of course. People need more Mike Pankow out there talking wrestling. <laughs> right. that the world the world's a better place for it. Jonathan Hood, thanks for coming down here and joining us on Windy City Slam. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you. Say that.